Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Can you believe this? Say it with your chest. Looking to push tempo here, the Pelicans. Hold that follow through. That's right. This is what takes you to another level. Welcome in and what the Pell is up, everybody. This is Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans with your host, Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter. Before we get started, make sure you subscribe and or follow depending on where you are listening to the podcast. And if you are on Apple Podcasts, you leave a rate and review. That really, really helps us out. We're starting to get a little more and uh, we're getting some momentum there. So we really appreciate that. If those continue, we'll really, really get going. But also... Before we get started, make sure to tell a friend about the podcast today, right now, at this very moment, text your homies the link, and they can start talking some Pels with you, along with us, here at Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans. Now, much like the last three, four, five pods, I probably could start it the same way I did the Drew Holiday Trade podcast, with, uh, holy shit, right? Because the deal is done, and the Pelicans currently have Steven Adams on their roster, of which, a week ago, I would have had no frickin' idea. But we we finally have this pick put together, and by the end of it all, what it's resulted in is Milwaukee receiving Drew Holiday and 60th pick Sam Merrill. New Orleans receiving Steven Adams, Eric Bledsoe, the Bucks 25 and 27, 2025 and 2027 first round picks and the the pick swaps with Milwaukee. Oklahoma City receives George Hill, Josh Gray, Kenrich Williams, Island Cheatham, Darius Miller, a 2023 first round pick from the Pelicans that was via Denver and two second round picks and then Denver received RJ Hampton, that young guy out of New Zealand, New Zealand Breakers, he is American, but he went and played in the NBL, just like LaMelo Ball this last season, a high ceiling sort of guy, but not somebody that I was high on, so very glad the Pelicans traded him away and didn't use a roster spot on him this coming season, but they may have very well needed another player on their roster, given what the current situation is for the Pelicans, but... uh, yeah, we'll we'll definitely be getting into that in today's episode, I can tell you that. By the way, everything that's been going on in the last however many hours, days, 48 hours-ish since the trade was brought up, I think 72 maybe, but by the way, this deal is a big reason why the Pelicans didn't make more moves in free agency to date, and the Brandon Ingram deal is taking a little bit longer than we'd like. Pretty much, I mean, it, it is the reason. I, I, I couldn't give another reason as to why they would wait this long to make moves in free agency as to why Brandon Ingram hasn't been signed yet. But anyway, I mean, I'm not really worried about Brandon Ingram not being signed yet. I don't think you should be worried about it either. As far as I know, by all the indications, Brandon Ingram's going back to New Orleans. He's one of, I mean, I mean, New Orleans is one of the few teams that could afford him right now. I mean, New York has a bunch of cap space, but of course they're doing New York things like signing Austin Rivers to three-year deals. And 
who freaking knows? Maybe they'll be in the play for Russell Westbrook. I mean, Brandon Ingram staying in New Orleans. I- I'm not worried about it. On-, on top of this deal, I mean, given the fact that there's very well going to be, you know, player options and, you know, dates and stuff and, and incentives and it's going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot to figure out. And given what this small market in Milwaukee just went through with the Bogdanovich issue, I'm not surprised it's taking a little bit longer. Pelicans are trying to be careful. I mean, they just had to maneuver Kenrich Williams and Zylan Cheatham and Darius Hill and Josh Gray and <laughs> in this trade scenario. And, and there's a lot of picks to be dealt with. There's a lot going on right now. And to expect the Pelicans to have everything figured out for this season, to expect them to turn around and make another big move right away. Not necessarily that this is a big move, but get wings, you know, pay people. I mean, the the Pels have the BAE and the MLE left, and maneuvering that with four roster spots open is difficult, and it's a lot. It is a lot. I understand the impatience, but at the same time, recognize what's going on here and recognize that the Pels aren't probably going to be vying for the finals. It's just not happening this year. There's no reason to believe it's happening this year. If we're being really honest with ourselves, there's just no reason to say something like that or to believe something like that even. It's just unfair, and I think it's unwarranted at this rate to expect immediate success given this is the second year that David Griffin's been around. This is SVG's. This is going to be his first year, and stuff has to be maneuvered. There has to be some patience. There has to be some patience. But in reference to the trade for Steven Adams and sending Drew Holiday to Milwaukee, I've heard a very large difference of opinions on this trade, and that's for sure. And, and it even starts with our the Bird Rights group chats. I won't name any names, but few people are pretty upset about what's gone on what's gone on this offseason and are pretty disappointed with the front office. On the other hand, there's people like me who are pretty optimistic, and I'm just an op- optimistic person in general, but I mean, I've heard some people liken this trade to getting a younger Derek Favors and downgrading from Drew Holiday to Eric Bledsoe. And I think that's a major overreaction, and I think people are freaking out at the lack of wings on the roster, which is obviously a problem. But... (laughs) Okay. Look, I am not one of the people to freak out early, just basically in any situation in general. Let alone this. I think it's unnecessary... And I have a let's see how things pan out kind of personality. Plenty optimistic. But the narrative has been for a while since last season, the Pelicans needed help on team defense. Right? That, that, That was the problem. Drew's an incredibly individual defender. He's one of the best defenders in the league. Well... While that is absolutely true, I absolutely believe that. Drew Holiday is a fantastic player, an incredible defender. Pelicans were ranked 19th in team defense last season. And they were pretty 
damn awful in the bubble. And on top of all this, Steven Adams has been a problem for the Pelicans in the past on the defensive end of the floor. I mean, is he an offensive weapon? No, not really. Is he a jump shooter? No, not at all. But the guy did average under just under 14 points in 2018 and 2019. Not this season, the, the two previous, 20, uh, 2017, 2018, 2018, 2019. He's a monster at setting screens. He's going to get boards on both ends, which is clearly needed. He's going to protect the paint, which was a struggle for the Pelicans this last season. That starts with perimeter defense, but that's a big issue for for centers. And, And Stan Van Gundy mentioned that. He said in his introductory press conference that the paint was an issue for the Pelicans last season, but it starts on the perimeter. And I love hearing that from the head coach. But once the ball gets into the paint, Steven Adams is going to help. He's going to help a lot. He's going to be vocal. Holy balls. J.J. Redick said it himself. This is one of the quietest teams he's ever been on. Ever. He's 36 years old. If I think he said it was the quietest team he's ever been on. He's 36 been in the NBA for 14 years. Quietest team he's ever been on. Okay, you got a vocal guy now. Eric Bledsoe, probably not going to be quiet. Another guy we'll talk about here in a second, obviously. On top of that, Steven Adams is beloved throughout the league. Especially in OKC, where he's played the entirety of his career to this point. And I'm glad they got him out of here so he didn't have to play along with the tanking situation because... Steven Adams is not a player that's going to tank. I mean, he's not going to settle for anything like what we've seen in terms of lack of urgency on defense. He will lead this team. He's coming in. This is going to be Brandon Ingram and Zion's team in the future. But this is a guy who can be a cornerstone in terms of leadership for your team. Does he have to score every bucket? Absolutely not. Can he be the anchor for your defense? Abso-freaking-lutely. He will lead this team. He and Chris Paul were the vets on the Thunder last season. Those two in Gallinari. I don't know how influential Gallinari is, but we know these two guys are. And what they do, they went to the freaking playoffs in the Western Conference and took one of the greatest scorers in the league to seven games. Greatest scorers in the league history to seven games. With a team that was just kind of thrown together. They're like, oh, Paul George wants out, Russ wants out, okay, we'll figure it out. Throw these guys together, Billy Donovan, go coach him. Donovan did a great job, I would have loved to have him in New Orleans, that didn't work out, but here we are with Steven Adams, who is a leader in the NBA. Who stepped up when all these guys left, all this talent left New Orleans, or sorry, Oklahoma City. This dude is a bona fide workhorse. He is a man amongst boys. A man amongst men, I should say. I mean, there's a reason people claim that he is exactly looks exactly like Aquaman. I can't think of that guy's name off the top of my head. But he does. He is a 
tree trunk of a human being. You know, SBG wanted his d- defense in Detroit to form an effing wall. Well, you got an effing wall. And his name is Stephen Adams. The... <laughs> This whole narrative of Steven Adams is a younger Derek Favors, give me a break. Give me a freaking break. Is he the smoothest smoothest athlete in the world? No. But watch how they move on the court for five seconds and tell me they're the same. You're kidding me. That is a lazy take. And inaccurate. And false. Steven Adams is a much more of an energy guy than Derek Favors has ever been. Steven Adams can start in this league and be effective, unlike Derek Favors, for the most part of this previous season. Steven Adams, again, vocal. There is going to be zero lack of accountability on this team this year between him, Eric Bledsoe, J.J. Redick, and Stan Van Gundy. Steven Adams is not here to mess around, folks. This team might miss out on the playoffs. Probably not with this play-in sort of series kind of thing they're doing this year. But the West is really strong. So, this team might miss the playoffs, but my God, Steven Adams is going to have an impact. I can tell you that. I, I detest the idea the thought that he is a younger Derek Favors. My ass. My ass. Maybe they have a similar style of play in certain facets. Steven Adams is going to give you all he's got every possession. Every possession. That man is a brick wall in terms of a screen setter. He's going to be good in the pick and roll. He's 6'11 as opposed to 6'9 at center, which is a huge difference, believe it or not. And he's 27, which is a great age to add to this team because he's relatively young, not above the age of 30, but he'll also be able to collaborate with guys like J.J. Redick, like Eric Bledsoe, because he's been in the league for ever. He's been in the league such such a long amount of time, I don't know. Uh, I'd have to look quick. Seven years. I really thought it was going to be close to to 10. thought he was going to be in the league since he was 18, but I was wrong. He came in the league when he was 20 out of, out of New Zealand. But anyway, he'll teach Jackson Hayes a thing or two, and we won't hear any of that, oh, I think I'm good on the defense, defensive end of the floor, like Jackson Hayes said in the bubble. And I've referenced it a few times because it pisses me off so much. Steven Adams is not going to let that shit slide. He's just not. Stan Van Gundy isn't. Steven Adams isn't. It's just not going to fly. Jackson Hayes won't be able to pull this crap of, I'm okay on that end. No, you're freaking not, dude. You look like a toddler without their parent holding their hand on the playground. Come on. Come on. Adams isn't going to stand for that stuff. He will be a part, whether he sticks around after this year or not, he's getting paid $28 million, which is a lot in today's league. And Adams has a lot of value. Don't get me wrong here. I love Adams adding him to this team, clearly. But I don't want to pay him $28 million, especially when Brandon Ingram is going to be paid 27 which, like, they just, 
They both provide value, but Brandon Ingram is worth $27 million in this league today as opposed to what a center is and the value that Steven Adams brings, whether it's tangible or intangible. Anyway, should he resign for a more reasonable amount? That'd be awesome. But for right now, he's on an expiring contract. Pelicans can pay him this year, and you move on if you need to. But in the now, in this year, he, Stan Van Gundy, J.J. Redick, Eric Bledsoe, all going to pair, combine together, and are going to be incredible for instilling some good culture in New Orleans, whether J.J. ultimately ultimately gets traded or not, and whether Eric Bledsoe ultimately gets traded or not. Either way, Steven Adams is going to stick around. But these three guys, if they all are on the team this year, they will be integral for being cornerstones of this franchise and building good winning culture in New Orleans. Eric Bledsoe has won in the regular season. J.J. Redick has won. Steven Adams has won. No, have they, they have not won titles, but they've done a lot of winning in the NBA. And the Pelicans collectively, as a team, as a culture, as a franchise, as an organization, can't really say that. Steven Adams, been to the Western Conference Finals. Eric Bledsoe, been to the Eastern Conference Finals. J.J. Redick, been to the Finals. Stan Van Gundy, been to the Finals. They know what it takes to get there. They know the discipline. They know the work ethic. They know the accountability. And this franchise doesn't have a history of it. And now you got four vets. You got four grit and grind kind of vets that know what it takes to work hard. They know what it takes to at least attempt to build the defense. J.J. Redick isn't necessarily a defender. But Eric Bledsoe, Steven Adams, two guys that are going to come in and really, really help build what this team needs. Pelicans are playing the long game. We can't get impatient. Pelicans fans cannot get impatient. Impatient is Del Demps. Impatient is that Solomon Hill and Omer Asik contracts. Patience is development. Patience results in the Warriors. I would say that if there's any team to model after... It is the Golden State Warriors, believe it or not. Five straight NBA Finals, three championships. That is the team to model after. And you go for the success. You go for the Kevin Durant. You go for, and, and that's a that's a big name. That's that's a big jump. But the Omri Caspi signing, like like stuff like that. You make those immediate signings when you can, and when you know you're going to compete for a title. Pelicans are not doing that sense of urgency in the game not the crazy sign on the first day gotta give him a huge contract like the Detroit Pistons did or like Dell Demps would do kind of signing kind of urgency it's completely different it's awareness it's awareness of your situation it's awareness of your roster it's awareness of the rest of the conference does it mean tank Hell no. Tanking is one of the most annoying things I can even conceive in sports. I hate it. I detest it. I've never been a fan of a team that tanked, nor do I ever hope to be. It's annoying and it's stupid. Look, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna backpedal. Sorry, I went down a very very deep rabbit hole there. But I'm gonna backpedal here. This is the thing that irritates me the most about the reaction, this immediate reaction by Pelicans fan base. But not by all of you. I don't want to point any fingers or, or make any generic statements about the collective fan base that is in New Orleans. But the same people that screamed, we need defense, we need defense, are the same ones complaining that now there's no spacing, which isn't completely true. First of all, beggars can't be choosers. Pretty simple. Going to the school of hard knocks with my mother, Kathy, growing up, Heard that a decent amount of times. Beggars can't be choosers. And that's applicable to the Pelicans and their fan base right now. I said it on our free agency pod and via Twitter. You've got to pick your poison with centers in this league. Most times. I mean, the one hybrid I can think of off the top of my head who's going to give you defense, rim protection, and be able to shoot the three is Brooke Lopez. Aaron Baines to a degree, and the Raptors got him for a steal, which kind of sucks. Also, Marc Gasol. But those are three names off the top of my head. Generally speaking, you're getting a rim protector who's really, really good at team defense, helps out a lot, sets really good screens, does traditional big stuff, or you're getting a slim center who is pretty bad at defense but is a spacer. Kind of the stigma on the big European guys, Chris Stapps, Denny Abdia, that kind of thing. I mean, yeah. You're getting one or the other. Pick your poison. And if the Pels got a spacing five, everybody would have been screaming, Where's the defense? Where's the defense? You have to pick your poison. This is this. complain and find the one thing wrong society that we live in. I'm not going down that rabbit hole because that's a hell of a rabbit hole, but sweet Jesus, be thankful for something. Be grateful for something. At least David Griffin's making moves for solidified vets who you know where you're getting from and will be incredible for team culture, i.e. Steven Adams, i.e. Eric Bledsoe. Those are two good players. Are they all-star level players? No. Did you expect to get a lot more than that for Drew Holiday? I did not. And if you think, you genuinely think that the Pels were going to get a perennial all-star or something like that in exchange for Drew Holiday, you're delusional. And I'm not sorry. This is a damn good haul. Eric Bledsoe, second team all defense. Steven Adams, incredibly solid center in this league. Hall of picks. And you give up a bunch of guys who don't contribute and Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday, one of the most underrated players in the league. Incredible individual defender, competes on the offensive end, contributes on the offensive end, not a great complimentary piece to the rest of the roster. Okay. Sucks he had to give him up. Awesome dude. Now he's going to be able to go chase the title. Great for him. And then a bunch of dudes that don't do much or that suck. I love Zylan Cheatham. I think he was one of the best two-way guys in the league. I loved having him on the roster. I loved his personality. I loved what he brought to the team. But other than that, Josh Gray, uh, Kenny Hustle, you know how I feel about him. I mean, it's it's a bunch of pieces that are irrelevant. 
and it took a lot to maneuver, but it got done. And the Pelicans got a damn good center and a pretty good consolation prize in Eric Bledsoe at the point guard position. And here's the thing about Eric Bledsoe. I mean, he's a good player. And I'm just going to kind of repeat myself here, but I I went off on Steven Adams and and having him on the roster, but Eric Bledsoe is going to be a good player for this team. Again, a leader. Again, a bulldog on defense. Again, second team all defense. I think he was first team once. I mean, people are worried about Drew Holiday, his departure, and the perimeter defense. Well, here you go. All second, all NBA second team defense, Eric Bledsoe. He's been a scorer with the Suns to the tune of 21.1 points per game. Playoff success is lacking. Fine. You got me there. He went to the playoffs twice with the Bucks and was with the Suns for a bunch of years. Sue me if that's not the biggest concern of mine. I mean, would you rather get a young guy who turns the ball over, doesn't play good defense? Guess what? Bledsoe doesn't do either of those things. Doesn't turn the ball over. Plays good defense. Can be a leader for your team. He's not a knockdown three-point shooter. He's not a knockdown shooter. Scored 15 points a game last year with the MVP on his team and Brooke Lopez and George Hill and Kyle Korver and Arison Ilyasova and Wes Matthews. And Chris Middleton, for God's sake. Is he an all-star? No. Is he the greatest defender in the world? No, but he's a pretty damn good one. It's easier when you got Brooke Lopez behind you. It's easier when you got Giannis behind you, Chris Middleton. But this time around, he's got Steven Adams behind him. He's got Lonzo Ball behind him, assuming he plays the two. Should Brandon Ingram improve his defense with Stan Van Gundy? He's got him behind him at the three. Pels go out and get a Wenyan Gabriel or or another somewhat decent four. Got another guy like that behind him. Josh Hart behind him. This isn't this isn't that big of a downgrade. It's really not. I mean, I just I don't get it. I really don't. I mean, pessimism has kind of pervaded especially since the bubble especially since a lot of people didn't want to move on from Drew Holiday especially since moving on from Anthony Davis that whole thing was hard I mean that guy sucks as a person but like I I understand I have a little bit of empathy but at the same time things are changing David Griffin brought is trying to bring in a different culture. Stan Van Gundy's trying to bring in a different culture. Zion Williamson, first overall pick, still on the roster. They're trying to keep him healthy. Brandon Ingram's going to get a max contract. The team is not done making moves this offseason. Also, they got Willie Hernan Gomez, which he'll be third string center. So or he'll be coming off the bench as a center, maybe getting some small minutes here and there. So I'm not going to address much of that today. But damn. Give it a damn shot. Give the thing a shot. Before freaking out, before saying, We will have wings, 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 wings. Tweeting gifts of bone-in wings. <laughs> I, I, I get it. The team needs some wings, and we're going to talk about that here in a second. But give the damn thing a shot. I mean, Brandon Ingram is going to be on the roster. He's a wing. Josh Hart's a wing. They got a two-way guy, Najee Marshall, on a wing. And, uh, like, 
this league is built around stars who are wings. Brandon Ingram is that. Is he a superstar? No, but he's a star. Could the Pelicans use more? Yeah. But hear me out. Hear me out. Steven Adams, perennial winner. Eric Bledsoe wins a lot of games in the regular season. Done a lot, learned a lot with the Bucks. These are guys that know how to win. J.J. Redick knows how to win. A lot of close games this last year. I think Steven Adams, I think Eric Bledsoe takes them over that little hump to get a lot of those games back. I really do. Culture is changing. David Griffin went out and got guys that know what it takes to have a good winning culture. Give it a shot. Give it a shot. That's all I ask. Going to switch gears a little bit here and talk a little bit about free agency because we we got to do that. I mean, it, like I I mean I said it. Pelicans need they've got needs. And to address one more thing <laughs> that I've seen and that I don't like is that I've heard there's a lot of people saying there's nothing left, which guess what? Yeah, there is. There are players out there that are left that can be acquired in free agency that I'm sure Pelicans are working on. Maybe they're working on another trade too. I don't know who they're going to be willing to ship out. Probably Nah. Maybe JJ. You know, if, if everything I just said isn't for not, but is lessened to a degree if JJ isn't there. But Pelicans, they have four roster spots, three roster spots to fill, and a two-way spot. There's options. They wouldn't have done everything they just did to leave three roster spots open and just move into the season. I mean, I'm sure they'll be able to bring back Sandarius Thornwell, first of all, which it wouldn't be hard. And he's a good, hard-playing guy. Is he the key to take the Pelicans to the next level? No. But. They had to get all this stuff figured out with Steven Adams, with Eric Bledsoe, with that trade, before they moved into free agency to get these wings. Let's, let's reintroduce that empathy for David Griffin, maybe put a little bit less pressure on him, and just be happy about the Steven Adams trade. Okay. Now, in terms of those remaining wings, it's true. We've talked about it before. New Orleans needs a wing to work on those 6'6", 6'10", kind of guys that they really struggled with this previous season. Josh Hart's a good defender, and Drew Holiday was a good defender. Drew Holiday was too small. Josh Hart also just a tad too small. He is 6'5", 215, and you can only do so much against the LeBron types of the world, the Giannis types of the world when you're that size. Josh Hart's a good defender. Is he an incredible defender? Not to the degree that he's going to be able to guard guys like that. So, Pels are still in need of a player of that size that can at least contend with some of the, the players that are that are going to be around that 6'6", 6'10", size. So, of players that are still available that kind of fit the need of the Pelicans wanting to be able to space the floor a little bit more, shooters... But it can also not necessarily lock up these big guys, but can play some defense. And what you're going to be looking at when you say wing is, and we say wing because basketball has become a positionless league. I mean, LeBron James brings up the court, brings the ball up the court. Is he a point guard? 
No. But there are plenty of guys who can play that wing sort of position. It's it's a 2-3-4 kind of scenario. So if we're looking at specific positions, the, the players that I think could fill that role for the Pelicans, small forwards being Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, and Damari Carroll. Now, the jump shot's going to lack for a lot of those guys, but there can be kind of sort of slashers. Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, goodness, that's a hard name to say all at once. Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, never mind. Hit some big shots, hit some three-pointers in the bubble for the Dallas Mavericks, and he played a lot for that team, and, and they were pretty damn good in the bubble, if you don't remember. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, a guy who played for the Toronto Raptors and, and did quite a bit of things. He's pretty versatile at that three position. And then Damari Carroll, who was a star for about 20 minutes for the Atlanta Hawks when I was in middle school and then kind of fell off the face of the earth. But he is a guy who can play defense. He's a little bit older. I think he's 34. And he's a guy who hasn't been consistent in the league for a while, so you could sign him to a vet minimum. And then there's one name who you're probably not going to like. And I hope you don't unsubscribe from the podcast from what I'm about to say. And I'm going to say it really fast. It's Solomon Hill. You signed him to a vet minimum. He played pretty damn well with the Heat, or as well as Solomon Hill can play. Played pretty well with the Heat in the bubble. And I think he'd be worth it for a vet minimum. That's all I'm saying. And I know Pelicans fans are scarred from the contract that that the the front office gave him however long ago that was, and that's totally fair. If the Pelicans have other options, I'm not saying. I'm the biggest advocate of Solomon Hill in the world. But if it were to happen, I would not be completely opposed. Again, that minimum, I'm not saying you pay him a lot because that would be bad. But it's an option. Now, when you look at power forwards, that kind of has a connotation of being a big. When you think 4-5, you think a guy who can't play on the perimeter. But again, today's league is is filled with a lot of skilled bigs. Basically, threes in four bodies. Or for those of you who don't really know that sort of terminology, small forwards in power forward bodies. And there's only a couple here listed that are still available. And one of them is Markeith Morris. I know Markeith is kind of listed as the lesser of the two Morris brothers. It's kind of been taboo for young teams to want to go after the Morris brothers because they're kind of noted as being toxic or, or negative for your locker room and be a little bit of a risk for the Pelicans to go after a guy like that. But the sentiment has also been that the Pelicans need an asshole. So whether you label Eric Bledsoe that or not, I don't think Steven Adams is that because he's so liked throughout the league. So Markeith Morris, I think, could be that guy. Is he the greatest defender? No, his brother's better. Is he going to stop those 6'6 to 6'10 kind of guys? No. But I would say he's the best option in terms of giving you both offense and defense to the degree that you need it at that 3-4 kind of position, the wing position. Then you go down the list, and I think the other option in terms of being able to flow with this team well being a good shooter and being smooth for that size of 6'10 is Dario Saric. Not a great defender either. Played really well with the Suns this last year, and he has a good three-point shot. You want spacing from your four? Saric is a better version of Melly. Saric is better than Melly. That's a damn fact. And you can get Saric 
probably pay him the MLE or split the MLE between him and one of these other small forward guys. Maybe you get Markeith and you get Saric. Maybe you get Damari for defense. Don't play him a ton of minutes because he's getting old. Get Saric for offense. Some complimentary sort of thing like that. Maybe Michael Kidd-Gilchrist rather than Damari Carroll. And if you're looking for full-on fours, I still like Wenyan Gabriel lesser now because he isn't a shooter. And Pelicans need shooters. Like, I, I kind of... I, I mean, I did go on a rant in that first segment about people being upset that the Pelicans added defense and don't have any spacing and pick your poison, yes, but now they need to get some shooters from the wing positions. So should you sign a Wenyan Gabriel, which I, again, I, I he would be a lesser, he'd probably be towards the bottom of the players that I like here. But should you sign a Michael Kidd-Gilchrist or a Damari Carroll or a Wenyan Gabriel, you need to go get a Dario Saric to complement that type of player. You do. Because Dario Saric is a good shooter. Probably best known for his smooth stroke. Whereas these other guys are maybe serviceable shooters. But they're going to provide defense. So it's, it's a give and take. And then these last two other names I think are going to be a solid combination, but not going to be able to defend those three, four kind of guys, those tweeners, those six, 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 ten guys. It's Frank Kaminsky and Dwayne Dedman. I like them both at the four. They're going to provide some spacing at the four. Kaminsky's a very, he was drafted, I think, in the lottery by the Hornets. He's a very high floor guy. That's what he is. That's what he's been. I mean, he's, you're, you're not getting much else than, I don't know what he averages, but it's, it's good enough for him to stay in the league. <laughs> And it's good enough for him to continue to con- uh, contribute every night, but he's not going to be your star. He's just not. Dwayne Dedman is... Well, if you know the draft, I know Top 5 Pelicans podcast likened Dwayne Dedman, well, Jalen Smith, to Dwayne Dedman. And I thought the comp was accurate. I thought that was probably his best comp that I saw that I can think of off the top of my head. And I think it's it's super accurate. Dwayne Dedman's a four that can space. Not going to be a great rim protector, but he can do it. And he's 30, so there's that. So that's going to be your option at the fours that are going to be able to really be the players that you want to get, I would say. Winning Gabriel, again, probably on the lower part of that list for me. And then there's... There are shooting guards that I think can be described as wings. One of those being Glenn Robinson III. Although listed as a shooting guard, Robinson is 6'6", 222, and he's been a decent scorer in the league. I mean, in 2019-2020, when he was with the Golden State Warriors, he averaged 12.9 points a game. Granted, that team was god-awful, but he shot 40% from three and 52% from the field. Went on to play with the Philadelphia 76ers. Didn't do a whole lot for that team. They probably could have used him quite a bit more than they actually did. But I really like Robinson, especially for how he could complement this team on the offensive side of the ball. Now, if you don't get any of these guys, if you want to go the route of filling the roster, simply to fill the roster with vets or with guys that you know can contribute from time in and time out, 
there's options there too. Obviously, these are the lesser desired of what I've just listed here, but they're still out there. They're still options. And you can add them to the young team and have them contribute, whether it be with the intangibles, the leadership, the relating the older coaches to the younger players kind of thing. But maybe even being that Udonis Haslam kind of type where you have him around because he's fantastic for your culture or they can contribute sometimes. I mean, like an Etwan Moore kind of role. Etwan was a guy that contributed in the rotation, but he wasn't a star. He didn't play much in the bubble, I mean, really at all. But he's a guy who got rotation minutes in the regular season and contributed. Known for his floater, which you can get an older guy to come in and do that. And I wouldn't be upset with that at all. You're looking at small forwards, probably going to be an Evan Turner kind of type. I don't see, or I didn't see any other players that are of this, you know, kind of caliber where they've contributed before in the league, um, can continue to do that and can have value in this league still, despite the fact that they're a little bit older. I mean, he's a guy who at his best in his career averaged 17.4 points a game in 2013, 2014 with the Philadelphia 76ers, I guess in total that season averaged 14 a game, but as of late, he's been with the Portland Trailblazers, the Atlanta Hawks, not doing a whole lot, but he's a guy who can come off your bench and get you a bucket here and there. When you're looking at power forwards, it's going to be a type like Ersan Ilyasova. Y'all know I love Ersan Ilyasova. He's done so much in this league. He's really a journeyman, and I think he is a spacing for that. Just really fills a niche, niche, whatever, niche. I don't freaking know. Anyway, he fills it, and he does a good job of it, and I like him a lot. Then you start looking at shooting guards, and that's going to be your Courtney Lees, Wayne Ellington, Marco Bellinelli. Furkan Korkmaz is a dude who can fill it up from deep, and if you get a second one of J.J. Redick, or if J.J. Redick gets traded, you can pick up Furkan Korkmaz. He can fill that role. He's a little bit younger. You don't have to pay him much at all. So there's that. Bellinelli, a guy you know, can hit a shot. Wayne Ellington, a three-point specialist. Courtney Lee kind of can do a few things on the court. And then there's one more that we've talked about before coming off that injury. You don't have to, or, uh, He's a horrible ACL injury that he's coming off of. But you can pay him a very, very little amount, maybe even vet minimum. And that's going to be Andre Roberson if you really want to add some defense. But he's also like the worst shooter I've ever seen in my entire life. So wouldn't bank on it nor do I necessarily want it to happen. So there's your options. Very quick, very brief, but those are your options. Are they great options? No, no. They are not the greatest of the options. They could be better. It's not like those top options that we mentioned, like Mo Harkless, Jeremy Grant, guys like that don't remain available for long. Are these even the desirable guys we talked about on Friday? For the most part, no. (laughs) But they fill a spot and they fill a role. The Pels are playing the long game. An expiring contract in Steven Adams, but they know his value. They've got those picks. 
They've got Zion. They've got Brandon Ingram. Or, oh my gosh, Brandon Ingram under contract soon. And for those of you who do know that I am from, or not from, but living in Wisconsin, to quote the great quarterback from the state in which I live, who unfortunately lost the Indianapolis Colts yesterday, relax. This isn't the end of the world. The Pelicans do have options. They have not backed themselves into a corner. There are still things to be done, and there are ways to get them done. Pelicans are not at the end of their rope. They can and they will continue to build the roster, whether it's just this year or for years to come, whatever you want to say, whatever you want to reference, whatever you want to talk about here. There are ways up, there are ways out, there are ways forward. The Pelicans will get it done. We will get through this. Everything will be okay. Pels fans, thanks for tuning in today. Once again, I am Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter. Before you go, make sure you subscribe and or follow, depending on where you're listening to this podcast, you go leave a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Again, really, really, really helps us out. We appreciate it so much. And also, make sure you go check out thebirdrights.com and believe.com. Check out all the podcasts over there. And also, I am Elliot Clough at Elliot Clough on Twitter. And this was Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.